Welcome to this week's edition of Hockey Unfiltered with the Child, Ken Campbell. <laughs> I am your host, Dylan Waugh. I am Ken's sidekick. I am the Horatio to Ken's Hamlet. We're going highbrow this week because we have Elliot Friedman coming on the episode later. But before we get to chatting with Elliot, we're going to be talking about Gila Fleur, the Minnesota Wild versus the St. Louis Blues, which seems to be a thing that's happening. Check us out on Twitter at Hockey No Filter and stick around. So, Ken, stop burping in my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> how, how you doing? You're just you just lifted the curtain right away, eh? <laughs> I just like just like unveiled it right away. Look, in right? fairness here, like I do that for myself, like when I screw up an intro or something like that. Yep. Like I, you know what I mean. Yep. And uh, so I, I'm not holding you to any higher of a standard than I hold myself to. Okay, good. <laughs> Would you say that that's fair? Yeah, that is fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and the bar is pretty low. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How's your week? My week is a week of mixed emotions. Oh. Well, I guess that should uh, bring us into our first topic then. That's the reason why it's the yeah. mixed emotions. Yeah. Um, I grew up in this in the seventies. Yeah. In, in lovely Sudbury, Ontario. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was a huge Habs fan when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, you know the Holy Trinity in Montreal is Rocket Richard, Jean Beliveau, Guy Lafleur. Correct. Um, so this you know this one hits hard, and I, I actually talked to a lot of guys. Uh, that played with Guy the day he died uh, last Friday. I mean, Yvonne Cormier was shaken. He was mm-hmm. rattled. Uh, very, very emotional. Um, yeah, it's sad. It's it's really sad. Like, to lose a childhood hero? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's not great. Not great. I, so, Andrew Berkshire said on his podcast, and I think that this finally encapsulated what why this was so shocking or devastating yeah is because i mean he was 70 and that's that's young by today's standards to sure pass is. away sure is. you know yeah. um he was he was 70 uh, my grandmother was walking golf courses at 85 right still you know what right. i mean right um but not only was he young but he actually he seemed young mm-hmm. you know he's still had that air of mischief about him, you know, he's still, whereas like Jean Beliveau was an old man since he was born. <laughs> right. And, and, but, and Guy was a child until yeah. the day he passed on. Well, and, and until he was diagnosed, he looked great. You know, people would remark on how healthy he looked, how yeah. great he looked. Yeah. Um, And as Cornway said, you know, we knew this was coming, but it's, yeah. it's still, it's still devastating. Yeah. And, um, so then you start to think about legacies, things like that, right? So, yeah. I mean, with Lafleur, it's interesting because the time that he shone brightly was actually kind of brief. You yeah. Know? yeah, he had three years in the NHL where he was not terrible, not bad, just good. Yep. Yeah. Uh, then he had six years where he was, in my estimation, the best player in the world. He was otherworldly. And then for the rest of his career, he was mediocre. Um, But those six years were, he was the best player on, on what you could argue is the best 
most dominant NHL team that there's ever been. Ever been. Including yeah. including the five cups in the 50s. Like that 70s team, the way they won and just the manner in which, you know, I mean. I don't even think that you can argue I, I mean, it, to okay, be so, so what did they, they lost 11 games one year and eight games the other. The, the two of the, two of the, in the middle two years, they lost 19 games. Yeah. The Colorado Avalanche are, I think, still in first place overall. Yeah. They've lost 18. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think that you can even argue that they're the most dominant team of all time. Just, uh, I, I think that Merrick said it the other week. He said, what's the most dominant team of all time for regular season and playoffs that could just go like a lawnmower, like a wood chipper, just through everything. Yeah. And wouldn't slow down. Right. And, and, and he, he said the same thing. And of course, Merrick's a big hockey history nerd. Yep. So if he says it, then, you know, a decent chance it's, uh, it's, it's fairly accurate. But um, he, so in terms of his legacy, where where do you think where do you feel that he stands amongst uh, all time great Canadians? Well, it's interesting. I think in terms of the game itself, he's definitely. I'm not sure if he's top ten. Yeah. Uh, because it's getting crowded up there. Yeah. Uh, he's de- he's probably top twenty for sure. Yeah. Um. In terms of the 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 organization itself, I, I know this is not going to be a consensus opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the greatest Montreal Canadiens player ever was John Bellabo, and it's not, and I don't think it's close. Yeah. Um, people will disagree with me on that. They will maintain for now and forever that the greatest player the Montreal Canadiens have ever had is Rocket Richard. Mm-hmm. I, I don't agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I would probably put, I would probably go Bellabo, Richard, Lafleur as being two and two a mm. um, to me, but the greatness of Lafleur is does not like the numbers don't, don't do it justice. There was the aura about him. There was the wow factor about Guy Lafleur. Yeah. You know, and, and I actually talked to Brian Engblom who only played with him for about six years. Uh, you know, he basically said that, you know, when, when, Guy would get the puck. You could look up in the stands and you could just see people starting to rise out of their seats, right? Yeah. Like they expected something incredible to happen Mm -hmm. almost every time, right? Yeah. In his prime. And I'm telling you, Dylan, I was, you know, I mean, we're going to talk to Elliot about this later, but I I was a huge Habs fan growing up. I was in grade 12 in 1979. Yeah. Uh, watching that game with my friends, game seven of the, the semifinal against the Bruins. And so they take the, they take the too many men on the ice penalty Mm -hmm. and this is Montreal's chance. And when, when Lafleur had that puck, as soon as he crossed the blue line, I knew, I said to myself, he's this, this, this is, this is going in, this is going in and Montreal's going to win this game. Yeah. Like I, I just knew it, you know? And, and that was to me that, there's an unquantifiable, immeasurable aspect of Guy Lafleur that, you know, that, and, and, and part of it, and the big part of it is that aura, that, mm-hmm. that presence, that wow factor, that just that sense of anticipation that you were watching something really special. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that anything could happen yeah. when, when he touched the puck, like, 
I can't remember. I think it was Pete, Pete Mahovlich. He actually was Guy Lafleur's line mate early in in his career. It, mm-hmm. Jacques Lemaire came. It was a little later. Yeah. And Guy and and Pete Mahovlich was a centerman, and he has the Canadians' record for assists in a season with eighty two. Right. And he said to me, he said that year, he says. I got so many assi- of those assists <laughs> by breaking out, drop passing at the at, at our blue line to Guy Lafleur and letting and letting him go in and do the rest. Yeah, you know, and 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 I think I'm not sure if it was Engblom or somebody else said, you know, our whole power play breakout sometimes was just give it to Guy behind the net. Yeah, you know, and he said, you know, like Guy Lafleur could not play in the system based NHL that we have now. Yeah, you know, it's just Guy Lafleur was just like, give me the puck. I know what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm not sure what you guys are going to do. Yeah. In some ways, don't really care what you guys are going right. to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But I'm going to take the puck and I'm going to do something special with it. Yeah. And you, you, you don't see that as much. I mean, you know, you, you know, Connor McDavid is, you know, the, he's a freak. <laughs> yeah. He's uh Steve Dryden who uh who works at TSN and I used to work with at the hockey news calls him the most evolved player of all time. <laughs> and and he's right. He's absolutely yeah, right. Yeah. But you put Guy Lafleur in a group with guys like Connor McDavid, you know, Bobby Orr, Pavel Bure, you know, guys like that, how how he Morenz. Yeah, yeah. You know, those are guys that their their biggest hallmark was their speed and their skill. You yeah. know what I mean? And all of those guys, every one of those guys had that indefinable, immeasurable quality about him that when he had the puck on his stick, you just, any anything can happen. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask you to tell that story about the, the 79 goal, the very famous right. goal, right? right. The, yeah. the gingerly goal. The gingerly goal, yeah. yeah. Flair steps gingerly over the blue line. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you to tell that story because I thought that it was a really good story and I thought that it really typified Guy Lafleur. And And the thing is, is that he, he was an everyman. Yep. In, in so many ways, right? He, it, it really reminds me of kind of like what Arnold Palmer did for golf. Where it was just, you know, he's out there, he's smoking his cigarette, and he's just, you know, <laughs> like he was just he was he was an everyman, and and uh, and he made people um, fall in love for, with the game, and and largely the whole systems based hockey that you were just talking about was specifically to neutralize guys like Guy Lafleur, right, and. Hold them up in the neutral zone, yeah. Right, yeah. And, yeah. and in many ways, and I was thinking about this because I, I was asking you, I've leaned on you a lot over the last couple of days about, um, you know, stuff around Guy Lafleur. And I was thinking about why I didn't think of him as being the number one player in the world uh, during his time of being the number one player in the world. Obviously, I was not allowed alive to see that. And I was thinking because... And I was in high school. <laughs> the same age I am now. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, I was, and I was thinking that it's because he was um, sandwiched by all of these other players. Yeah. And he was just playing on this dominant team. So Bobby Orr was right before him. Right. Jean Beliveau was right before him. Yeah. Right. Mike yeah. Bossy was right after him. Right. You right. know, and then Wayne Gretzky right after that. And 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 Mario Lemieux, of course, right? Um, or as uh as Bill Clinton says, Lummox. <laughs> <laughs> um but my my point is is that 
it it's because sandwiched in all of these superstars, right, was the greatest team of all time. Right. And you've got Lemieux. You've got the big three, right? You've got Cornway. You've got Dryden. You, you mean LaFleur, not Lemieux. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, yeah, yeah. My apologies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You've got LaFleur. You've got uh, uh, the big three. You've got Dryden. You've, you've got this team that dominated as opposed to Bob Yor, as opposed right. to uh, Gordie Howe, as right. opposed to Mike Bossy, as opposed to um, Wayne Gretzky. And, and it's not to say that those guys weren't on incredible teams. I mean, you know, Gretzky played with uh coffee and, yeah, yeah. and, uh, and, and Messier. And you know what I mean? Like it's, it's not to say that it wasn't a fantastic team because it was by any, by every stretch of the imagination, but it's rather to say that their names were just so elevated above their teams. Yeah. But you know what, Dylan, you, as you say, you weren't around to see it. Yeah. When you were around to see it, Lafleur was the guy. LaFleur was oh, the guy absolutely. in the NHL. Oh, absolutely. I'm not, I'm, yeah. And, and it's funny, you know, like people talk about- I'm just saying as history will yeah, yeah, remember yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. see that as the yeah, Canadians. Yeah, yeah, the seventy, the, the 1970s right. Canadians is seen as its own thing, as opposed to Gretzky being seen right. as its own thing, right. you know? Right, Um, Well, it, it's funny because, you know, you everybody talks about the mystique and the magic of the Montreal Canadiens and, yeah. and like LaFleur embodies it, right? So, yeah. you know, so our, uh, Rocket Richard, you know, is is the guy, right? Yeah. He has all those, you know, he has the 50 goals in 50 games. He's the, you know, he's the the great French Canadian superstar. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's funny because before the Rocket came along, the Canadians actually didn't have a bunch of really good Canadian French Canadian superstars on their team. Right. The the French guys that were really good were guys that were Ontario French guys. Right, right. Right? So like Aurel Joliet and, you know, and and all these guys, right? And and so so so, so, so Richard comes along, he's, he's the guy, right? Mm-hmm. He's the touchstone. He's the cultural touchstone. He's the, he's the, you know, the, the, the new face of Quebec, whatever. Right. Yeah. So he fades away as they're winning Stanley cups, his career kind of fades into the background. And by the time they win the fifth cup in a row in 60, he's pretty much done. Yeah. Right. So then Bellavo is right in his wheelhouse there. Yeah. So Bellavo picks it up through the sixties and I always call the Canadians, 60s as the forgotten dynasty right because they won in 60 yeah they won in 65 66 68 69 yeah you know they were one they were one upset in the stanley cup final in 67 away from winning five cups in a row in the 60s as well right and they were they were brilliant they were brilliant teams and 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 Beliveau was the guy through there so then Beliveau gets them through he retires after they win the cup in 71 yeah has 76 points, probably could have kept playing. Yep. Um, you know, and then LaFleur gets drafted in 71, right? right? Yeah. One ahead of Marcel Dion. Right. So, you know, and then and then he picks it up. And really, I mean, no one has been able to pick it up since. You no. know, no one's been able to pick up that torch, French, English, or otherwise. Yeah. Um, they've had some great players and they've had some great goalies, but nobody's been that you know, that guy that you would say, I mean, Patrick Waugh comes darn close, (laughs) you know, I mean, Patrick Waugh, they won two cups. They had no business winning and it was because of Patrick Waugh. So that, that counts for a lot, but he doesn't have that, you know, it's, it's still not that, that sort of magic that you, you see with these guys. Even the identity of the team changed 
because mm-hmm. they were the skilled, the ultra skilled Canadians, yeah, yeah. right? And it's not to say that, you know, especially like uh, a guy like Larry Robinson was, uh, it was not exactly soft, right? Nope. nope. But they were the ultra skilled Canadians. And but they, they always had toughness. They no, no, of course they always had toughness. toughness but yeah. what I'm saying is that yeah. then, you know, their, their, their franchise centerman was Guy Carboneau. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And now it's not to take anything away from Guy Carboneau. I think that he was mm-hmm. a, a, a fantastic, you know, perennial Selkie player, but he wasn't that Guy Lafleur. No. He no. wasn't the Jean Beliveau yeah. and yeah. Uh, yeah. closer to Jean Beliveau, I guess. But, no, uh, not close. <laughs> not close. <laughs> I mean, in terms of in terms of mold, not necessarily well, in, in terms, terms of, of greatness. In terms of his, his yeah, I mean. Style. His, no, just in terms of his, you know, kind of. Leadership, I think, would be where you'd say that. Last thing that I want to say uh, about Guy Lafleur, there's that photo circulating um, recently of him sitting on that motorcycle, and uh, and it's it's such a great photo because first of all, it's just a little Harley Sportster, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and it's just such a such a classic, like understated, like this just could have been anybody. Sitting on that bike, this is just like I, I swear I've got a picture of my uncle that looks exactly the same, sitting on the exact same year making model bike, which I now have in my garage, not <laughs> running, cool. and I'm going to put back together at some point or another. Nice, right? And then the it just it just typified his kind of that duality of being a superstar and an everyman, right? And finally, the amount of courage that he had to be riding a motorcycle with an open chain in big 70s bell bottoms. Probably with no helmet, too. <laughs> well, no helmet, yeah. of course, but yeah. the bell bottoms. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I've always <laughs> thought that if there's something that I want very close to the chain of my motorcycle, it's, it's as much fabric as possible. <laughs> <laughs> I um, It's interesting because, I mean, in talking to his former teammates, yeah, you know, Ken Dryden said he he never saw himself as a superstar. Yeah. Like he never saw himself that way. He, yeah. And he really felt like he needed to earn his way to what he, what he, you know, accomplished. Yeah. Um, never wanted to be treated like a superstar. Never, you know, Steve Shutt still like, and he, and he didn't tell me this, this time. And that's he, the name I forgot to mention, Steve yeah, Shutt for yeah. being such a fantastic player as well. Yeah, but yeah, sorry. Right. Anyway, yeah. so he, he told me this story a long time ago. He didn't tell me it after Guy died, although I did talk to him and we brought it up again. Is 76 Canada Cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're in training camp in Montreal. Yep. And so their big thing is they're they're off their dry land thing for that night is they're going for a five-mile run, right? Yeah. Not well, you eight, wrote about this. Not an your... eight-kilometer run, a five-mile run. Yeah. That's how long ago it was. I yeah. mean, so anyways, they get this guy from the, R- uh, the RCMP. YMCA. The YMCA. Yeah. He comes out. He's like this fitness consultant guy and <laughs> like super fit and everything. And so he's going to lead this five-mile run. Right. So they start and Lafleur just takes off. Yeah. Guy from the YMCA can't even catch him, right? Yeah, yeah. He's just gone. Yeah. And everybody comes back to the dressing room. And they're all like in various states of disrepair because they've just run five miles, right? Yeah. And Lafleur's sitting in his stall, you know, smoking a heater. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, oh, what took you so long, you know? Another thing I want to touch on briefly, and I I don't want to get too deep into this, but it's really sad that we've lost, in the last little while, we've lost three all-time greats. Yeah. Mike Bossy. Ila Fleur, 
Dale Howard Chuck. Mm -hmm. And it's all been in one way or another because of tobacco. Yeah. Bossy and Lafleur were both smokers, heavy smokers. Yeah. And not, you know, I mean, that was part of their culture growing up, right? You smoked yeah. when you were a teenager in Quebec. And when you're a superstar teenager in Quebec, it's it's okay, yeah. right? Uh, you know, Dale Howarchuk, a big part of the reason why he died was because of cancer that he got from chewing yeah. tobacco. Cultural things that could have been prevented and weren't. And now we've lost, you know, three of the all-time greats of our game because of it. So I just would think that, I don't know. I mean, I'm There's not going to get, I'm not, yeah. not going to get preachy, but yeah. you know, if, if you need a, <laughs> if you need a little nudge there yeah, to yeah. quit, this might be it. Yeah. You heard the Rodney Dangerfield joke about that. My doctor wants me to start smoking so I can quit chewing gum. <laughs> <laughs> so no, it's yeah. a, it's yeah. a, it's a good point. I mean, we're just, we, we learn more and more. Uh, alcohol is also, a oh, class yeah. three carcinogen yeah. and causes cancer. And, you know, so it's, yeah, it's uh, be careful, you know, take yep. care of your health. And, yep. uh, but yeah, to your point, I mean, even up until very recently, you know, the 2003 uh, Toronto Maple Leafs was, is the worst kept secret that half of them were hacking darts in the laundry room in between periods. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's, uh, I don't think that culture surrounds the game anymore. No, it like, I don't even know if the there's, same way. I, I don't know if there's, I'm sure a lot, I'm sure a fair number of players smoke weed <laughs> yeah. or, or take it in other, in other ways. But I mean, you just don't hear about that anymore that a guy, that a guy smokes. Cause it's just, it's impossible. You can't, yeah. you can't do that yeah. and have a career. Ozzy Osbourne said when he quit smoking, that it was like a professional runner kicking a brick wall all day long. <laughs> when you said take weed in other ways, I immediately thought of the train spotting thing where he dives into the toilet for the suppository. But that's right. neither here nor there. Yeah, that's we neither here nor there. <laughs> yeah, we're getting a little off track that here. That was such a good scene though, eh? Yeah. I, I have mixed feelings about that movie. Yeah, well, it's a scary yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, all right, well, let's uh let's transition to hockey. I think that, that was a you know yeah. um rest in peace, Guy Lafleur. It's a it's a tough topic, but I I I don't think that he'd want people bemoaning. To be yeah. honest, from what little yeah. I know of him, I think that he wants people telling the funny stuff about his life and you yeah. know these different things. So, um, before we get on to talk about the Minnesota Wild and St. Louis Blues, check out Ken's writing, KenCampbell.substack.com. You can get this full episode there. Please check us out on Apple Podcasts. We are now currently with the Hockey Podcast Network. You can check out the clips of this if you just want, you know. 10-minute segments on YouTube uh, with uh, the Hockey Unfiltered on YouTube, and, or you can get the full episodes at the at Hockey Unfiltered um, and the Hockey Podcast Network YouTube channel. We will also be doing some live stuff there yeah. coming up. Moving on to Minnesota versus the St. Louis Blues. Uh, it seems a lock that they're going to be playing each other. It is a lock. It's yes, okay, fine. It's yeah, a lock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's the only one right now. That's, I did the that's classic a, Canadian thing, which is that I kind of like deprecated yeah, yeah. on something that was so obvious. Yeah. yeah but yeah. anyways, uh, hey, I don't mean to tell you what's going on, eh? But uh, seems like this Minnesota Wild and St. Louis Blues—they're they're probably going to go at her, eh? Yeah, they are probably. <laughs> is is Edmonton, LA? That's not a lock. No, that's not a lock yet. No, no, no. Um, what are you expecting from this matchup? Wait a minute, Edmonton, LA might be a lock. At this point, 
I'm just checking the standings because Vegas can't catch LA. Yeah, I Edmonton think- LA is going to be interesting with yeah. David Dreisaitl, two of the best offensive centers in the yeah. game, actually, going actually, against Ed- Kopitar yeah. Deneau, two actually, of the best defensive centers yeah, in the actually, game. Actually, Edmonton LA is a lock, I believe. I believe. Okay. And Toronto Tampa Bay that we're going to talk about later is is all but a lock. It's very yeah. very close. So yeah, yeah. so we're we're starting to close in on some ma- matchups here. But St. Louis and Minnesota. Minnesota, that's a lock, lock, stock, and barrel lock. Yeah. And it's two teams that, wow, like, wow, let's talk about evenly matched. Yeah, you think so? Oh, yeah. Well, same number of points. Yeah. They're they're separated by four in goals four. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, they both lost last night. They were both on heaters going in, and they both lost last night. Um, yeah, no, I, I think this is going to be a very, very intriguing series. It'll be interesting to see if, if well, Minnesota's got a game in hand. And but they don't have the regulation wins tiebreaker, not even close. So if it's tie, it goes to St. Louis for home ice advantage. If if um, if Minnesota can can get business done in the next couple of games, they'll get home ice advantage. So right. So other than the home ice advantage side, how do you see this uh, this series going? It'll be really interesting, I think. I mean, they've played they played only three times this year, which I find weird. Yeah, we both I mean, went through I, I that a couple the, of times. I went through to the make schedule sure. like five times, and yeah. I only saw that they played three times. Yeah. And one of them was an outdoor game, so that's not even really a <laughs> that's not even really a home game for anybody. Right. You know what I mean? That's yeah. that's you know, so so one of them was an outdoor game and they they played twice in April, mid April. Yeah. Um Minnesota St. Louis has won all three games. Yep. Uh, they won the outdoor game 6-4, and then the two that they won in April were overtime wins. Mm-hmm. So um, really, really evenly matched. Um, it's interesting, you know, like, you, you you know, you would have thought, you know, when you look at the the the, the sort of the, the mystique of these teams or the reputation of these teams, you'd think that, you know, Minnesota would be the lockdown defensive kind of team and right. St. Louis would be the free flying kind of team, free flowing team or whatever. Yeah. It's kind it's kind of the other way around. It's not exactly the other way around, but it's kind of the other way around. Yeah. You know, I mean, Minnesota is a is a really quick strike, outstanding offensive team. I mean, Kevin Fiala right now is is on fire, you know, they've got, they've, they've got a game breaker in Kirill Kaprizov. Yeah. I, I think basically what it'll come down to is goaltending. And I think, I think Minnesota has the edge. You know, I really do. I believe Minnesota has a decided edge in goaltending uh, with Marc-Andre Fleury. And I know that Marc-Andre Fleury has had a checkered history in big games. Yeah. He really has. I mean, he's <laughs> been ve- he's been very very good, you know. Yeah. I mean, he made a save in game 7, late in game 7 of the 2009 Stanley Cup final on Nicholas Lidstrom that won the Stanley Cup yeah. for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, he's also turned over the puck against Montreal and lost a series, you know. Yeah. So, he's got a checkered past, but but I really do believe that that that's it's going to come down to that. And, him and, and him and Brizgalov's series was like next shot wins. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But I, I really think it's going to come down to that. And I, I really think that the Minnesota wild have the edge. Um, I don't think St. Louis's goaltending is great. Um, yeah. and yeah, I just, I just think it's going to come down to, to that. And I think, I think Minnesota would probably have the edge. So here, here's the thing. 
St. Louis is walking into this as a very balanced, very two-way team. Yeah. Minnesota's walking into this as all offensive. Right. Right. And now the old adage goes, it's a football saying, but we use it in hockey sometimes. Offense wins games, defense wins championships. Right. 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 But by their advanced metrics, St. Louis is not very good defensively. Okay. They have they are the sixth worst at five versus five expected goals against per 60 in the entire league. I, b- I believe you. Right. I don't understand you, but I believe you. <laughs> I get it. Right. And then they're, but then they're the 15th worst. So middle of the pack, actual goals against per 60 in the entire league. Right. But the thing, so to, to put this in the context here, Minnesota's letting in two and a half goals against per 60. Right, right now. How much of that is goaltending? Sorry, St. How Louis much is letting in yeah. two and a half goals per 60. Minnesota's letting in 2.3 goals against okay. per 60. Okay. So Minnesota is actually playing defensively hmm. significantly better, both by the expected goals against and the actual goals against than St. Louis is. Okay. It kind of blows the narrative a little bit out of the water, at least calls it into question. Uh, in terms of goaltending... Um, you know, Vili Huso's playing fine. Yeah. Right. Uh, I could look at their team save percentages and at which point you've got, um, the St. Louis blues have a team save percentage of, uh, 0.92 and the Minnesota wild have a worse team save percentage. Yeah. Of, uh, Oh, part. Oh, they're right next to each other. 0.92 0.92 and 0.92. There you go. So there you go. so they're, they're saving goals at the exact same rate throughout the course of this year, but Minnesota's advanced numbers are looking better and and they're, yeah. Well, you know what's interesting, Dylan, is is we're going to talk to Elliot a little later. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and, I mean, we taped it before, so spoiler alert. Later, um, earlier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, he's, it's later in the podcast, but we've, we taped it earlier. So, yeah. and he talked about how much, the the game changes in the playoffs. Yep. And I, I think that's going to be a huge factor here. Yep. You know, yep. will, you know, will St. Louis be able to grind it out yeah. against Minnesota? Will their big imposing and difficult to play against defense core yeah. be able to make life, int- you know, miserable enough for Minnesota that, they, you know, take away their will to live. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, and I think that's going to be huge. And, and we know what's going to happen. So right. we know what's going to happen. We know that the game changes in the playoffs. It always does. I wish it didn't, but it does. Right. So, so that's going to happen, right? So St. Louis is going to have that sort of edge or, or advantage. Mm-hmm. So now the question is, how does Minnesota respond to that? Yeah. How, how do they adapt and adjust to be able to be successful in that kind of game. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's going to be a big question. That's going to be, the, that's going to be another sort of, you know, real, real important sort of factor in this series. I always think about the Los Angeles Kings against the San Jose Sharks. And I remember one of the, in between the bench reporters, I forget who during that series this is long, long was this time 14 ago. 14 when they, when yes. San Jose went up three, nothing and yeah. LA came back and won it. Yeah. It's exactly that. And uh, I remember the in-between-the-bench reporter saying that uh, L.A. just looked exhausted 
trying to chase San Jose around the ice. Right. San Jose was just dancing around them. And, and he said that the LA players were getting back to the bench, completely sucking wind, bent over their sticks. They just couldn't. And then it was almost like LA just went, oh, we don't have to chase them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they'll let's if just, we stand let's, here, they'll come towards us and well, then we kill them. Yeah, and and or we just get the puck and cycle it endless, endlessly and keep yeah. possession of it and we don't have to worry. Yeah. So that we'll, was that was incredible. That series. I remember Daryl Daryl Sutter after I think it was after game four, they were it may have been even after game three, between games three and four. Yeah. And he just said, you know, like he just said, <laughs> Yeah, they're in this situation. A lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. <laughs> oh my god! Like man, Daryl Sutter's got the best quotes. Like, He's outstanding. When when John Gibson was brought in for Frederick Anderson and and uh, I guess Los Angeles versus uh, the Ducks. Yeah, and it, and this was right before Freddie Anderson got traded to the Leafs. John Gibson was brought in, played a fantastic game, and Daryl goes, "Oh yeah, uh, it's maybe the best goalie I've ever seen in my life." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's pretty good, and he and he's like he's like bringing his fastball this oh, year. Man. Like he's had a ton of them this year. Oh man, you know you know what I wouldn't give to see him as a third McKenzie brother. It'd be Bob, <laughs> Doug, and Daryl McKenzie. That's I would I would give anything. That's all they're missing is a straight man in that in that bit. That, that's yeah, that's a that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see if we can get them all out of retirement. Okay. Yeah. All right. Should we move on to Elliot Friedman? Uh, yeah, I just want to talk about a couple of things real quickly. Uh, OHL draft is Friday night. Yeah. Uh, Michael Mizo will go first. Yep. Uh, the exceptional player, um, Malcolm Spence will go second. Nathan Villeneuve will go third to Sudbury. And then it becomes a bit of a crapshoot from there. Yep. Um, but a lot of good talent. Yep. Uh, you know, Misa got the exceptional status as we all know. Um, and he'll be going to the Saginaw spirit. So, uh, that'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, we talked a bit about Edmonton, LA. Uh, yeah, I think, is there anything, nobody's done anything really stupid lately. Eh? <laughs> I'm trying to think. Oh, tip of the hat to a, a player yeah. by the name of Hunter Drew. Okay. Played his first NHL game last night. Oh, that's right. I saw for the that. Anaheim yeah. Ducks for the Ducks. Yeah, when he was 17 years old, he was playing junior C hockey. Never drafted in the C. Never drafted in the OHL. Never drafted in the NHL. He's a defenseman. He moves to forward this year. Leads the San Diego Gulls in scoring as a forward, <laughs> and and probably penalty minutes too. Like yeah. he's a pretty tough guy. Yeah, yeah. But just a kid that you know came literally, not literally. He didn't literally come out of nowhere. I hate when people say literally and they <laughs> actually mean figuratively. Yeah. Who came out of nowhere figuratively. Yeah. Um, but just, you know, just a great story, right? Yeah. Like just a great story. I mean, 23-year-old kid, he's playing his first NHL game and who knows whether he'll play a second NHL game. He probably will. Um, but, you know, I mean, for, you know, I just talked about, I just talked about all this exceptional status yeah, stuff and getting yeah. drafted into the OHL. Yeah. You know, the OHL has 15 rounds. Yeah. Like they pick, they pick, well, I mean, if, if they, if each of them picked one player in each round, it would be 300 players because there's 20 teams. Yeah. So like they play, <laughs> they pick an, an obscene number of players. Yeah. And there are guys who don't get picked. Yeah. Who end up 
being playing junior B, junior, junior C, B, prep junior school. C, junior A, yeah. going up, and then the next thing you know, they're in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Adam yeah. Oates is in the Hall of Fame. Right. I mean, you know, so it's it's not over. I, I mean, and I said this before. Like, I think young players like that that don't that have the harder road. Yeah. You just have to have a better plan B. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. don't abandon your plan B. Yeah. You know, if your plan B is to go to school, yeah. Go to school. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um because you don't have the luxury of knowing that you're going to be an NHL player in 3 years. Yeah. You don't know if you're ever going to be one. Um but you might. Yeah. So have a really good plan B, but don't don't give up the ghost, you know? I talked to Mike Johnson. Yeah. He played midget double A hockey. Right. When he was 18 years old. Yeah, yeah. You know? Not ideal. No, not <laughs> ideal. Went to play junior A for, was it Aurora or somebody? Right. Had a really, really good year. Got noticed by Bowling Green. Yeah. Scholarship at Bowling Green. And then the next thing you know, he's getting yeah. signed by the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. So I, it's funny because this actually dovetails. I'll tell you what I said to uh, a dad of one of the, the kids that I coach. I would have said, shut up. That's what I would have said. <laughs> if, shut up. If you were the dad or me? No, I would have said to you, I would have, you telling the dad, shut up. Oh, you kidding? You don't know this dad. You're he's insane, one of, sir. One of the nicest guys in the world. Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> he's hired me as a coach, so he can't be all, okay. all, all smart. No. But, uh, yeah. no, he, he said something to the effect of his son's like 13. He said something to the effect of, well, I guess a lot of people really know whether they're making it or not at this point already. And and I said to him, I said, the people who say that are the people who have a financial vested interest yeah. in in telling you that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The people that are trying to make their their U16 AAA team that much more important when in in all honesty, you know, um shout out to one of my students, KW, who's 15, I think, and just moved up from AA to AAA. Yeah. Just came out of nowhere, walked in and up, uprooted a established despite, despite the coaching that he's getting. Yeah. Oh, well, of course. Despite the coaching. Yeah. Yeah. Could be because of the coaching. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Yeah. So, but I'm just saying like, it's it, one of our, one of our students uh, got cut. I was telling you this on the phone. Yeah. Yeah. Got cut from his triple A team, tried out for another one. His name's Justin tried out for another one and is now playing a year up. Yeah. In triple A. Yeah. He tried out for he tried yeah. out for a double A team or something like that. Anyways, and he, he's now playing a year up in triple A. Yeah. Like it's it it really like you said, don't don't abandon your plan B. Have realistic expectations. The prep school route is a great route. Yeah. That's you know, instead of going to OHL or something like that, that gives you a better many more options down the line than uh, you know, than yeah. than playing in the OHL. Yeah. But, you know, like, don't, don't let somebody, don't let somebody put a limit on you at 13. No, but, but don't even like, don't even listen. Don't let somebody put a limit on you at 13, but don't let somebody put, make you feel like you're, you're special or you're, you're God's <laughs> gift to hockey when you're yeah. 13 as well. Yeah. Enjoy the game. Enjoy the experience. Enjoy your teammates. Enjoy yeah. winning. Learn from losing. Yeah. You know, have fun. Yeah. Play something else in the summer. And and I that's that's a big one for me is like 
you hear all these elite people say, oh yeah, really, we should, you know, the kids should be doing something else in the summer until it comes to their kid and they feel like he's going to get left behind. Then <laughs> yeah. it's like, yeah, you better play spring hockey. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Like it's just at that age, don't listen to anything. Yeah. Don't listen to like all the people who are telling you you're so special. Yeah. And yeah. don't listen to the people who are telling you you're too small or you're too slow or whatever. Yeah. Just enjoy the experience. You're playing the greatest game in the world. Yeah. You're you're young, you're having a great time with it, you're traveling, you're going to tournaments. Yeah. Enjoy that. Get the most out of that. Yeah. Be the best you can be at that. Be yeah. the best person, player, and teammate that you can be. And everything else will take care of itself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. So. All right. Shall we get to Elliot? That went a lot longer than I thought. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. I guess we I, we probably should. Okay. Probably should get to Elliot because you know, quite frankly, people probably want to hear him more than they want to hear me. Us talking about midget AAA <laughs> yeah, hockey? Yeah. <laughs> All good. Yep. Thanks for joining us, Elliot. I know it's it's really, really busy right now for you. Uh, I know what you're going to do in the next, probably in the next week, you're going to kiss your wife and your son goodbye and say, uh, see you in two months. And, uh, and, and it'll be a hectic time for you. So I, I guess, first of all, Elliot, what, what does the next couple of months look like for you? Can the standard line I use, and my wife hates it. She always thinks it's so stupid whenever I say it. It's a good two months for her boyfriend. And, <laughs> uh, but she, she thinks it's so stupid whenever I say that line. The, the number one thing is, like, uh, and, you know, you've been in that, that time before. I love it. It's it's the best time of year. You know, that, that's, that's the number one thing. Like, there's a, there's a lot of work, and there's especially in the first couple rounds, there's a lot of double headers and, and late nights. But, you know, it's it's the hockey playoffs. It's it's phenomenal. The one thing I always laugh about was there was there was one night, it was several years ago, and I, I can't remember if it was Dallas, um, Dallas, Vancouver, or Vancouver, Anaheim. But the first night of the playoffs, and I was still a ringside reporter at the time, but the studio crew got like a triple overtime game, the Canucks, uh, and either the Stars or the Ducks. I can't remember who it was. Yeah. And, and I remember those guys telling me, it's like, you know, you're so excited and you know you're going to get some late nights, but the, if it happens the first night, it, <laughs> right just, kicks, it just kicks the crap out of you. <laughs> but, I mean, because the, the thing is, you, you got to get your rest. Um, yeah. Like, for example, you know, if I'm late, like, I like to get up in the morning if I can to take my son to school because if I don't take my son to school, then a lot of days I won't be able to see him come home. Right. You don't get to see him at all. But right. if you're getting home at 1, one thirty and you're getting up at 8, like – you're not necessarily getting good rest. So you either have to nap during the day or something like that. I think the other thing too, is that, you know, I have a rule I like to keep and that is, can you tell people two things every broadcast you don't know? And I, and I, or they don't know. And I think it's easy to do that when you're on once or twice a week. It's right. a lot harder to do that when you're on every night. So I like the challenge of that, but the key thing, no question is, you you've got to make sure that uh, you you've got to make sure that you uh, get your rest. Absolutely, um, yeah. To me, Elliot, I mean, the playoffs are obviously a magical time of the year. Uh, you know, I mean, if 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 I were to if I were to introduce someone to the game, I, I wouldn't sit them in front of the Stanley Cup final. I would sit them in front of the first round of the playoffs because mm -hmm. that is the most chaotic 
wonderful, surprise-filled, intense time. Like by the by the time the finals come, I mean, obviously there's a lot on the line, and 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 you know it, it, we've had some very good finals in the last few years. But I mean, they're on fumes by that time. But when you start that first round, those first couple of nights of that first round, uh, I don't think there's anything in sports that matches. You know, and and I'm not a huge basketball fan, but March Madness included. I just. I just don't think there's anything in any sport that matches the intensity and excitement that you get in the first round. Well, I love the first round of the playoffs. Ken. I'm not one of those please like my sport guys, so I don't yeah, really yeah. I don't really compare <laughs> a lot that way. But I just I think it's phenomenal. I think that you know I remember talking about it sometimes. I think that you know this year is a bit of an anomaly in the Eastern Conference. There's there's no question about that. We've right. never we've never seen a year like this before. But generally, teams get in and everybody takes a deep breath and you kind of reset. But I also don't think, Ken, that there's a sport that changes more from the end of the regular season of the playoffs than the NHL does. And, and I know a lot of people uh, beat up the officiating standards because of that. I don't. I think it's almost as much about the player. I think it's more about the players. Like, you know, Ken, you've been around a long time. You have seen... Like, I, I thought Greg Wyshynski had a good story this week about scoring where Doug Armstrong and Al McInnes talk about, um, you know, uh, you know, used to go to certain places on the ice and they'd be cringing because you think that someone's about to get killed and you don't get hit there anymore. Yeah. Like, you can go to the middle of the ice right. and not get clobbered. You can, right. you can go to the front of the net and not have to face 160 Darien Hatcher cross-checks. Yeah, exactly. But... I think that does change when the playoffs starts. I, I think I think the players say, okay, this is different now. We're going to do things to each other, and we're going to put our bodies on the line in the way that we don't always do in the regular season. Nobody takes nights off in the playoffs unless you think you're gone. So I, I think that, to me, is the thing that makes it so exciting too, Ken, is yeah. that the players' mentality changes from game 82 to game one more than in any other sport. Right. And the ones that, that do it the best are the ones that get through. <laughs> yes. That's <laughs> you know true. What I mean, and the ones mm -hmm. that can do it, like, I mean, you know, look at Montreal last year. I mean, the effect that a guy like, you know, that, that their defense had uh, on, uh, you know, Ben Chirot, you know, mm -hmm. he was a beast in the playoffs last year for that reason, which mm -hmm. is exactly what you were saying. Mm -hmm. Hitting yeah. people in the dirty areas. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's always one person like uh, as a, it's so funny, Dylan. Like last night, Dave Amber is doing highlights, and he said someone's going to the dirty area, and because we're or five years old, Anthony Stewart and I start laughing, and Dave is looking at us like, "How old are you guys? Can you be a little bit more mature?" <laughs> no, because we're twelve. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's good that it's good that we have a guy like you shepherding us through the playoffs, Elliot at Fridge. <laughs> I, you know, I've always uh, always enjoyed your work, and uh, you you earn your you earn your paycheck in the next couple of months for sure. So. Well, thank you, Ken. It's nice. I really appreciate it. But like I said, and like you said, and, and Dylan knows, and everybody out there knows, it's the best time of year. So it's great. It's an honor to be part of it, really. Yeah, exactly. Hey, hockey fans, feel the action on the ice like never before with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. Right now, new customers can bet just $1 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still hit the ice for cold, hard cash. New customers can make their first deposit and play free for thousands with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. 
Draft your lineup of eight skaters and a goalie and rack up the points for goals, assists, saves, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 plus restrictions apply. Go ahead, Dylan. Well, uh, going into tonight's game, Vegas seems to be playing a game called The Elimination is Right because they're <laughs> as close to being mathematically eliminated as possible without actually going over currently. But whether they win or lose tonight, I'd like to talk about them a little bit. Um, you've talked about the Leonard situation and described it as being an evolving one. Are you able to tell us the latest of what's going on with uh, Robin Leonard? Well, you know, the thing is, I mean, we'll see what happens tonight. Um I still think it's evolving because, look, Kelly McCrimmon hasn't talked yet. Yeah. Uh, the other players haven't really said much. Robin Leonard hasn't talked publicly yet. And all we're getting is cryptic comments out of Peter DeBoer saying, you know, I'm there's a lot of guys playing hurt. Right. So I think that what we're looking at here, Dylan, is when things get clarified on Vegas' season, and as you said, it, it could happen tonight. Um, then I think we're going to get a lot more clarity. Like again, last night, like I, I was up, I was watching their game. When it was over, I got a note from the person who I think, uh, a person who I trust and is very connected to this. And he said, still evolving. Like that, that's what he said, still evolving. And so like, I'm very comfortable in everything I've reported. I think it's the other reporting in the aftermath has shown that it's generally been pretty accurate. That Leonard informed them on Thursday night that he was going to have surgery, and there were a lot of conversations about what that was going to mean in the in the days after. But I still don't think we know everything yet, and I like this is combustible, and I think it could potentially get worse before it gets better. And you know, the number one question that I think a lot of us have is, you know, Robin Leonard's got three years left under contract with Vegas. You know, how is this? Yeah. How is this all going to work? Like, did you guys watch the Vegas game last night? Did you guys watch it? I did. I did. Yeah. So at the end of the game, did you see all those Vegas guys go to Logan Thompson and? Yeah, yeah. 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 Like he looked like he was near. Like he looked yeah, crushed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, the same thing against San Jose as well. Yeah. They rallied. Yeah. Yeah. After the shootout loss against San Jose. Yeah. And I, like, like to me, that's that's a picture saying a lot of words. I don't know. Oh, okay. Like, we're not all in there. We don't yep. know everything, but I have a feeling there's there's still going to be a lot that's going to come out yep. out of all of this, and it's not all going to be pretty. No, it's not. And Elliot, that's that's sort of the micro picture. I I wanted to talk a bit about the macro picture in terms of like this is remarkable to me. the mm-hmm. The Vegas transformation is remarkable to me. I mean, as quickly as they went from being the misfits to being a Stanley Cup contender, well, not quite as quickly, but in a very short period of time, they have gone, they're wearing the black hat now. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I think there are a lot of people who want to see this organization fail. Um, I talked to an agent who said, and and whether it's fair or not, said that, you know, Kelly McCrimmon, Kelly McCrimmon, McCrimmon's problem is he still thinks he's dealing with junior hockey players. 
and that he can treat them a certain way and and sort of dispose of them the way he sees fit or whatever. But there's something wrong there, Elliot. There's something fundamentally wrong in Las Vegas. Um, you know, they're in salary cap hell. They're not going to make the playoffs. Um, you know, and and I, I actually talked to Jeff Merrick about this a couple of weeks ago, and I I attribute a lot of it to chasing the shiny new toy. And they've got to stop doing that. Like, they've just got to stop, you know, every free agent that's out there, every guy that's out there for trade. You know, they've got to get some team chemistry. They've got to get a lineup that's secure and, you know, feels like it's playing for one another. I just I just feel like it's a mess there right now. Well, there's there's no question that the uh, it's a mess right now. I mean, I don't think there's any yeah. debate about that. I, I think that there's a couple of things here. Number one, no expansion team is supposed to be as successful as Vegas has been. Right. And you, and you remember the, the way they used that expansion draft against the other teams. Mm-hmm. And they could. And they used it very smartly. They took real advantage of some teams. And, well, I mean, you're competing to win the Stanley Cup. On some level, you have mm-hmm. to do that. And, you know, it created a lot of hard feelings. And and I think I think a lot of this goes back to the expansion draft. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, because some people are saying, "Oh, you guys hammered us really good there, huh?" Well, good on you. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I absolutely feel that some of this goes back to that. Um, I think another one that, like you know, teams do teams make tough decisions all the time or hard, like. Remember St. Louis and Patrick Berglund? He was a day late getting his no trade in, and they shipped yep. him to Buffalo. Right, like there, like the like these things do happen. Um, but I'll tell you this, Ken. Um, I think you're right in the sense that th- there's been a lot of churn on players there. And I remember when they were when the rumors were going that they were about to sign Petrangelo. Um, you know, you could see that they were going to have to do something. And that weekend, because the news started to break on a Friday, and if I remember correctly, it didn't sign until a Monday or Tuesday. Okay. I, I couldn't believe the amount of text I was getting from Vegas players or people connected to them saying, like, who's going, who's going. <laughs> and I think that was a, that was a big one. Like, I, it, was, it was a lot more than normal. But, like, I do think another one, Ken, that has reverberated in hockey circles, I think, was Gerard Gallant. And, you know, one, yeah. yeah, Gerard Gallant's a really popular guy. And, um, you know, they had a verbal deal on an extension and they made the coaching change. And I think there's 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 a few people that really didn't like that. Yeah. So, you know, every organization does like it's like it's like life. Right. Every work environment makes decisions that piss us off and that we don't right. think are right. Right. And but and so it's Vegas is I think going back to the expansion draft. Because they they used it so well on teams and made them look so good and other teams look bad. I think there are people who've looked at this and said, it's just desserts. But I think all those other things you're saying are true, too. The funny thing about it, though, guys, is that I've had a couple GMs say to me that like they like to push the salary cap limit, too. And they're looking at what's happening with Vegas, and they're like, that's a warning for all of us. Yeah, now I don't <laughs> I don't think like they don't they hope it would never happen to them like this but there are a few teams saying there by the grace of God go I because we would be in a similar disaster if we had all these kinds of injuries. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. 
My stuff. question is, uh, just to follow up on that, is how common is it for um, players to reach out to you to get an idea of what's going on with management in a situation like that? Or is management more open with um, with their players? Like, it just seems like bizarre that, uh, that, a, that a player in the NHL with an agent and all that has to get their sources from the same insider that us schlubs do. <laughs> you know, you know, Dylan, I think that um, there's certain times where there's a lot of rumors fly around. It doesn't happen that often, but it happens. I would say it happens more around trade deadline than, and free agency than other times. Like people will send me notes saying, you know, what are you hearing? Or I'll report something and they'll say, well, we know there's always things that are reported and there's more under the surface. What else can you tell me? Um, you know, I, of what one situation is, I remember a few years ago when Kevin Shattenkirk was traded from St. Louis to Washington, there was a Washington player who texted me right away and said, I can't get any answers from the team. Am I in the deal? And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it turned out he wasn't. So I think it happens more around those times than it does normally. Well, I mean, if I want information on what's going on in the NHL, Fridge is the guy I ask. If I want an acerbic comment, I'm probably the guy I ask. <laughs> you know, I, I, I would say this. I think I, I think there's a lot of great reporting in the league right now. Like, uh-huh. I, I think the quality uh, of of reporting is like is as good as I've ever seen it in my time as a consumer or a professional. Yeah. Um, I, I think whether you're interested in people who talk about rumors like I do or people who break down the game, either X's and O's or statistically, um, like others do, I, I think the quality of reporting around the league is really good. And if you don't think it's that good, you're not looking. I, yeah. I really feel that yeah. way. I, I agree with you. I agree with you, Elliot. And I mean, the world has shrunk in so many ways, right? Like our, mm-hmm. our world <laughs> in terms of, you know, the number of outlets. But But you're absolutely right. There is some great reporting going on. Um, can I move on, Elliot, to another sure. team that people, you know, really, really uh, make a cottage industry of disliking <laughs> in a lot of ways, and that's the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, I mean, it's not locked in yet, uh, but but it's it's very very close uh, that they'll be playing the Tampa Bay Lightning in the in the first round of the playoffs. And and I'm going to lay out to you what I think is going to happen, and and you tell me what you think. I think the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to lose. Uh, and I don't think it's going to be a close series. I think it's going to be five or six games at the most. Um, and I think that the Tampa Bay Lightning won that series last week when they did the, the then they had their 8-1 beat down on Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> like of all years, this is the year where <laughs> it's really not their fault. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Kyle Dubas has put together an amazing team. He's put together the best regular season team they've ever had. Uh, you know, the, it is his mm-hmm. Kasha acquisition, you know, the, the bunting acquisition, the Giordano acquisition, all great acquisitions. Um, and, and this is the one year where I think someone might pay if this happens, but I'm not sure that that should even be the case. Well, as we were, as we tape this guys, or we do this, it's uh, they're fourth in the league. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. you know, like, you're right, Ken. Now, I, I will say, like, I, I will say this, like, I am getting wide, wide spectrums of conversation on this Tampa-Toronto series. I have people who say this is the least year, Tampa's exhausted, and they're going to beat them. And I have people like you, like, you have to say, like, like Ken, you're from Sudbury, right? 
Correct. Yeah, you like you're were you were you and your friends Leaf fans growing up? Not or at were all. Canadians? I was I was the biggest Montreal Canadiens fan you you will ever find. So I, I so Dylan, where are you from? Toronto. Are Sorry. you are, are you and your buddies Leaf fans? My buddies are, but I am the biggest Montreal Canadiens fan. <laughs> oh God, what's going on in this podcast? So so I grew up in Toronto, and my buddies, I still have buddies who were huge Leaf fans. Yeah, and they are. They they think the Leafs are really good, but they are terrified about this series. And you know why they're terrified about this series? Because all Leafs fans are nihilists. <laughs> yes, that well, that's true. But you know, hey, they come by it honestly. Like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, they've yeah, been yeah, they've yeah. been given a lot of ammunition. <laughs> you know what they're worried about? They're they're worried about. Um, uh, they, they say to me, they, they say to me, uh, they're really funny. They 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 said to me. Stamkos is going to come to Toronto and he's going to kill them because he's a Toronto guy. <laughs> and, you know, it is funny. I do think that if it is Tampa, Toronto, as it's going to be, um, that the Le- that the Lightning players are going to say, we love our captain and we're going to win the series for him. Interesting. You know, yeah. I, I, I really do. I, I think that's going to... Now, look... Here's the biggest challenge for Toronto. It's Tampa's battle tested. Uh, they're going to be motivated, uh, and they have the best player in the league in the playoffs. Like that—that's what it is. Like Vasilevsky is the best player in the NHL in the playoffs yeah. until proven otherwise. I, I like I, I'm with you. I think Dubas has generally made really good moves this year. The one that didn't work, Richie, they erased. Yeah. Yep. They've added depth on their blue line, depth of the kind they needed. Um, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. I, I yeah. like to, I, I like Toronto too. I just think this is the worst possible matchup for them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To, to me, it's it's I, almost like this is the year where you go, oh shit! Everybody had a hundred points in the East. It's a crapshoot, <laughs> and you know what? These things happen. But I guess my question to you, Elliot, is is can you do that after this year? Like like last year was the year where maybe somebody should have paid. This is the year where somebody might actually pay, and it's not gonna be fair. <laughs> well, you know what I you know what I think, Ken? I think it comes down to let's say Toronto loses the first round. It's yeah. how it's how they lose. Right. If they if, if they go out in four straight uh and weekly, wow. then <laughs> yeah. goodbye. Yeah, but yeah. If they lose in six or seven really hard fought nasty Couple games, games, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. like I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't. I, wouldn't. Either. I, like, I mean, I, Ken, Kenny Holland told me, you know, between the, the cups in two thousand and two and two thousand and eight, I guess he said they sat down every day and they talked about their team and they kept hearing about how they needed to change it and and how they needed to move some of these guys out and they never did mm-hmm. and they were rewarded for it because. They knew they were a good team. They knew they know what the playoffs is all about, right? Like it's so it's so crazy once you get in the playoffs. So many things have to go your way. And I remember even talking to John Cooper before the year they set all the records and lost four straight to Columbus. You know, we were talking right before the playoffs, and he said, Well, look, he said, if you could bet on the Stanley Cup and you could take us or the field, you'd probably take the field. Right. You know, I mean, because it's so unpredictable. So I, I just think, you know, I mean, I, like I said, I just think this is one of those years where if they do lose, it's 
it's not, you know, you chalk it up to that was a, that was a tough, tough opponent in a tough, tough conference. And we believe in what we're doing here and we're going to stick with it. Uh, I think it all depends on how it goes. And the other thing too, Ken, I think that will determine the future of players too, who yep. plays well and who doesn't. Like, I don't think we're just talking about, you know, the the front office or the coaching staff. I think we're no, also talking no. about, you know, who's on the roster. But, you know, like, like I watched them, and I know they got pounded in that game against Tampa, but they also, they kicked the crap out of Tampa a couple of weeks ago, 6-2. Yeah. So I, I try not to overreact to one game or the other. But, you know, look, I think we all recognize there's a lot on the line here. A lot on yep. the line. Yeah, yeah, should be fun. Go ahead, Dylan. So uh, switching gears a little bit, um, you've mentioned a few times that uh, your votes are for sale. <laughs> but I've heard you were... say that, Dylan, on, yeah, on, right I on have, TV, I on the TV. But if you were to uh, if you were to give any player a discount on that uh, vote <laughs> <laughs> for the major awards, Hart, Norris, Calder. Uh, which players uh, have have caught your attention? Well, first of all, I should I guess I should say for the record, my vote is not really for sale. Uh, you know, Dylan, Damn. I I, I, th- I think this year I I think it's Yossi for the Norris. Mm. Uh, I'm voting Cider for Calder. I think like my bowels are due Monday. I'm I'm starting to yeah, really go yeah, over it. Yeah. Um, you know the. I'll say this. Last year, I thought the hardest vote was the Norris. This year, I think the hardest vote is the Hart. Um, I like. There's a group of eight I've looked at for the Hart, and in no particular order, it's it's Matthews, it's McDavid, it's Yossi, it's Goudreau, it's Shesterkin, it's Kaprizov, it's Huberto, it's uh, who am I missing? I Crosby. Crosby. Yeah, Crosby. You know what? I want to put Stamkos into that a conversation. You know, it, you know, it's it's funny you say that, Ken, because I did yesterday. I did Tampa's daily radio show with uh, Dave Michigan and Greg Vanell, yeah. and they asked me about Stamkos, and I said, I like I, I what I do is I put together a long list and then I whittle it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stamkos is on my long, long list, list. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. you know, I just couldn't put him in that that top eight. Um, he, so. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, like, again, like you're insulting. It sounds like you're insulting people. I'm not right. trying to. Right. No, Ken, it's so funny. I was looking at Stamkos' number last night. Like, people forget for everything he's been through, he's still over a point-of-game player. Oh, yeah. 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 It, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I do think that part of what goes into that sentiment for this year is what he's doing this year you know, having overcome the last couple of years, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he was on, he would, he played himself onto the Olympic team this year. Yeah. I, I don't think there was anybody who thought that he was a lock to make the Olympic team, played himself onto the Olympic team. He scores, you know, he's moved to center and, and, you know, gone back to center, you know, with, uh, you know, points been kind of in and out and they've had some injury troubles. I, I you know, he scores goals, scores big goals, um, you know, does it early and often. And uh, I, I don't know. I just, I, I just think he's been a, a huge part of their regular se- season success this year. Mm-hmm. He, he's not the best player in the league, but, mm-hmm. and again, it, go, it comes down to the semantics of the, of the, of the definition, but you know, you're going by the guy that's been most valuable to his team. I, I would argue that nobody's been more valuable to the Tampa Bay lightning than Steven Stamkos has been this year. I'm not going to argue with you on that. Yeah. The other thing yeah. too, Ken, is that I think we've been reminded a lot by how popular he is among his peers. Right. 
Right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I, that counts for something. That means that you're agree, doing yeah. something right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I, on, on your, uh, on the, uh, the heart trophy. I, I don't know how, I, I just don't know how you can't give it to Austin Matthews at this point. Um, you know, I, I, I don't like that. That's my feeling is that I'm not sure how you can't give it to him at this point. Um, I mean, McDavid's right there. Um, but Austin Matthews, you know, for example, he's had, he's had 23 of his goals have been goals that have put the Maple Leafs ahead in games. Mm-hmm. Like to me, I look at, I look at those kinds of goals. I look at sort of when they're scored and, and sort of the, the context of it. And this is a guy who like he doesn't get a lot of cheapies, you know. No. He's 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 got a few more empty net goals this year, and, and I I would actually argue that 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 increases his value because now they they feel they feel comfortable putting him out when they have a one goal lead, mm-hmm. and they want to and because I, I do believe empty net goals matter in that respect, mm. but he's he's a he's a big time scorer, um, you know, uh, best player, most valuable, whatever you want to say. Um, I'm just not sure you can you can not give it to a guy who's got. 60 goals like who who else Ovi's had a 60 goal season in the salary cap era and Stamkos and Stamkos Stam- had that's one it. Stamkos Stam- that's, that's it. it so yeah, yeah so uh, that's a, that's quite a quite a feat so yeah I, I gotta tell you Ken I, I'm not gonna disagree I mean it's probably going to be Matthews yeah uh, atop my list um you know the way I look at it though is that you know, McDavid's got 61 points in his last 36 games as Edmonton's yeah. season was yeah. on the ropes. Yeah. You know, like that, you know, it's interesting. Like someone sent me a tweet last night. I thought it was a really good tweet. I actually liked it. He kind of compared McDavid to Mike Trout as in that, you know, the guy is so good that the biggest yeah. problem is you're comparing him against himself. And, himself, yeah. And, yeah, if he, yeah. and if he doesn't do anything ridiculous and spectacular, you kind of underwhelm him. Yeah. Um, and, and he's still got a career high in points this year. And yeah. so, yeah. Uh, but, you know, he's got 61 points in his last 36 games. Yossi, I mean, Nashville, I don't even know where they are without him. Um, you know, Goudreau, the thing about Goudreau is he does it at even strength. And yeah. I think in this league that really, and this this is a league that's having its highest scoring year in 25 in 25 years since 95 96 and yeah. Goudreau is having is, is leading the league in even strength points like I, I yeah. think that says something but like uh, but the thing is like I know I'm like I know I'm going to be pissing people off uh, <laughs> because Kaprizov I think is deserving yeah. Huberdeau yeah. I think is deserving yeah. I, I mentioned the top four my top four on Saturday night I said it was in, in no particular order Matthews McDavid Yossi and uh, and Goudreau and I uh, I had people based in the States who were saying you're just shafting Shesterkin. Like yeah, yeah. somebody here is going to, people here are going to be left off the ballot and it's going to be, as people are going to be screaming bloody murder. Hey man, good teams get beat out in the first and second round too. Yeah. So, and, and it's not a reflection on them. It's a reflection on, on the field. I, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. I always uh, like to write, if I don't vote for someone, it's because I hate you and your team. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and all of your family. I've heard you. I've, I've read that. From before. Yes. I hate you and I hate your team too. <laughs> and, and everyone you love. Yes. Well, we all know, we all know, Elliot, if you're not pissing people off, you're not trying. You're not doing your job. You're not, you're not trying. Right. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. 
Uh, Norris. Do you mind if I mention something on the heart before no. we get out of here? No, I don't want you to. But go, ahead. <laughs> go ahead. No normally means yeah. no, I don't mind. But you know, English is hard, Ken. So we'll, uh, we'll Words are hard. <laughs> Words are hard. Um, yeah, I thought that uh, Uberto had a very interesting statement when he said that, uh, that Matthews should get the heart trophy. And I thought that that was just him angling for the much more coveted Lady Bing. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I don't know about yeah, yeah. that. Yeah. You know, the, the thing is, is that that's kind of hockey, right? Like, like even I guess Matthews even said he wouldn't vote for himself or something. Well, yeah, like that. of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. well, but, he's uh, not allowed. That's not an option. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I'll I'll uh, I'll appreciate that if the players are voting on the heart. You know yeah. what though, Joe Joe Thornton would have been a guy that would have voted for himself. I remember he, he said, <laughs> like I remember one time he was talking about the, the Sharks and he goes, "Yeah, Patty Marlowe's a great player, you know, Brent Burns a great player. I'm a great player." Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. No, cuz I'll tell you years ago I remember uh, my last year at the score, uh Eric wow. Hinsky was a rookie and Josh Phelps was a rookie. And yeah. Phelps had a big end of the season. I was interviewing both at the same time. And I said, who would you vote for for Rookie of the Year? And Phelps says, it, it's got to be Eric. And, and here he goes, I agree. I think it has to be me. <laughs> I was like, I wish I heard this more often. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. <laughs> well, with the Norris, and, and we've got about 12 minutes left, I think, yep. by, uh, by my, my estimation. So I, I'll, we'll try to get through this. Uh, the Norris, I, I mean, I, I, think it's, I think you've made it pretty clear Yossi's your guy. Yeah. Uh, not Kale McCarry. No, I just think that uh, uh, I, I just I just uh, I just think this year um, yep. that I just think Yossi this year is like, he carried them. They're yeah. they're not even yeah. and and like, I don't even think it's got anything to do with McCars on a great team. Like, look, like are we going to punish Connor McDavid because he plays with? Leon Dreisaitl? No, that's no. stupid. Are yeah, we going to punish definitely. Austin Matthews because he has a great setup man in Mitch Marner? No, yeah. that's stupid. Yeah. I don't punish Kale McCarr because I I because he plays on a great team. <laughs> part, I, uh, part of the reason of which is he's playing for it. Because he's playing <laughs> for it. Absolutely. I mean? yeah, yeah. Um, like, I just think that Yossi this year was otherworldly. I mean, he could have had 100 points. We don't yeah. see that from defensemen anymore. He's got 93 right now. Yeah, he's going to he's going to just he's got, miss it. To, he's got a game to go. He still might get 100. <laughs> <laughs> They'll feed I, him like crazy. I also I also think too, Elliot, that the Norris for whatever reason is I'm I'm not going to say it's not a meritocracy, but it's it's kind of one of those ones. I mean, there is an exception like Adam Fox comes out of nowhere and gets it as an entry level player, but it's one of those ones that you kind of have to work your way up to winning, you know what I mean? You know, you know, I mean, look at Mark Giordano. <laughs> you know, it took him all those years. Mm-hmm. Al McKinnis, all those years. Like, that's one of those ones where it's it's more of a maybe it's not your turn yet, young man. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think that I, I think that has been the case in the past for sure. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. gonna ask if uh, if you think that like it's finally Shea Weber's turn for a Norris. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Silly boy. Uh, okay, so, uh, cider for the Calder. I agree with you. Although, you know, I mean, that's going to be a tough one too. Well, I think for me, the, the toughest thing is filling out the ballot. I mean, there's there's yeah. there's Bunting, there's Raymond, there's Zegras. Um, there's Tanner Janot. Tanner Janot. Tanner Janot is a great one too. Yeah. Who was who is, uh, who is uh, you know you know who like I was looking at and he the fact that he wasn't called up until late kind of ruins his chances. But Sean Dersey. 
He's been outstanding. Like he's, yeah. he's been, you know, he's been unreal. Like he's and been he a still big, qualifies, eh? He still qualifies, eh? I believe, yeah, he's, yeah, he's yeah. a rookie. Yeah. Like I'm, now you're making me gaslight myself, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to go check. Because the worst thing I want to do is, is, get, is, but like I'm watching like, because, uh, you know, I'm looking at this and, you know, you're. As you talk, I'll look. I'll yeah, I'm yeah, now, now I'm looking at this because like the Kings to me, they got kind of lost and ignored a little bit this year, but they're not. I the agree. fact that they made the playoffs is an incredible story. It, with and, the injuries they had. Yeah, and, and, and like yeah. if you would have said that Doughty would have played, what, 40, 45, 50 games and they still right. would have made it. Right. Uh, I wasn't. Yeah, I, I don't think. The, yeah. Okay. He's 23. So he gets it. But the age. Absolutely. He's absolutely. He hadn't played a single NHL game before this season. So yeah, like you Doughty, are absolutely right. Doughty played 39 games this year. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. who would have thought the Kings were, were making the playoffs at, at 39 games? Yeah. 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 That's a, so, yeah. yeah. that's a great one, Elliot. That's, well, that's, that's like one of those ones you slide in at number five to make it look like you, <laughs> you know, you get like, it's like, it's like, I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know what the problem is with me too is that I have always games played has always mattered to me in rookie voting mm-hmm. because I think when you're a rookie to play 82 games, yeah. it's a really yeah. hard thing. So yeah. you've got Jano, you've got uh, Raymond, you've got Cider, you've got Bunting, and yeah. uh, I can't remember who the other one was we mentioned, um, but Zebras. But, you know, so that's a tough thing for me to vote for Jersey, but it's not his fault. He wasn't called yeah, up. Right. So, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's a yeah. really tough call. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, who knows? Cole Caulfield might have wanted if if he had been started earlier. Yeah. It started earlier. But, you no know, he's ta- he's tailed off, too, as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, good stuff. Before we get out of here, just one last one for you, Elliot. Uh, one of our listeners on Twitter, Jay Mick in the 613, asked about the implications of Arizona moving to a college arena. Uh, specifically, a lot has been made of the short-term move, but um, you know, what? how are things going with their long-term plans, and does this have any effect on Gary Batman's future expansion <laughs> plans? Uh, I don't know if we're going to be expanding anymore. We're at 32. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't, I don't know. I haven't heard anything about expansion. You know, the thing is, is that like my father used to be in the home building business and and he would always tell me there's nothing worse than dealing with governments because everything happens, (laughs) everything happens at their pace and there's nothing you can do about it. And so you're sitting here, you're probably thinking NHL Arizona, we've got to know if we're going to have a building here and you're at the government's pace. There's, there's nothing you can do. And so, like, like, look, I think there's a lot of people here who are unhappy about it. Like the ticket thing, like the ticket thing, the prices, I don't know what people expected. Like when the NHL and the Coyotes were saying that Arizona could make yeah. more money, you yeah. knew they had to be charging yeah. pretty high for their tickets. Of course. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Like it could be an incredible atmosphere. I've had people say it could be a great atmosphere. I just don't know if it's a good look for a pro league to have a 5,000 seat arena. So it's, ter- it's a terrible look for a pro league. And it's a terrible look. And, and the other thing too is, is that, you know, you want to grow. How do you grow with a 5,000 seat arena? So, I mean, we'll yeah. see, but I like, honestly, Dylan, like we talked about Vegas before, like this story is not over this one in Arizona. It's not over. There's more to come. Right. And I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, the players, the players will have next to no say 
in this. They'll have to play wherever they're told they're going to play. So mm-hmm. I don't think it'll be a PA thing. You know, Elliot, with, with Arizona, I would argue that Arizona's problems are not because of the market. They're not mm-hmm. because of where they play. Um, there's no difference between Phoenix, Arizona and Tampa, Florida, other than, and it, and it starts at the top all the time is ownership and the way the team is run. The Arizona Coyotes are where they are because they have had more drama surrounding them than wins. Uh, they've been a very bad team for a very long time and they haven't given people any reason other than, you know, a very hardcore small fan base to love them. And that's what it is. Like it's, it's, it's all performance based. And I think it's not only performance based, but it's, it's ownership based. It starts at the top and, and, and trickles down. And until they get this right, Arizona is going to struggle, you know, for time immemorial. (laughs) I think you're, I think you're mostly right, Ken. I just, people who know the region better than me say that the location is a big problem. It is. It is. I actually spent. I actually spent a month in Arizona uh, just before the pandemic, and my wife and I are going to go back there next nice. year. Nice. The things have opened up because it's great. I mean, I I got. I remember I went one day. The Oilers were practicing in uh, in uh, Scottsdale, and I got Connor McDavid for like fifteen minutes by myself. And I'm thinking, <laughs> what? <laughs> you know. And Connor McDavid comes out to talk to me, and the local guys are there, and they were like, "Yeah, we're good. We don't need them today. We're good. You can have them." <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I love about being in Arizona. But the the rink is a problem because you're it's 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 west and you're driving into blinding sun for like 45 minutes before you get there. So it, yeah, I mean it is a problem, but I, I just But I agree with you, like Vinick Vinick is a difference maker. I, I yeah. completely agree yeah. with you. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's a he's he's a complete difference maker. I remember talking to him and it's like it was like you paid more for the Marriott Hotel across the street than you did for this team <laughs> and this arena. And he said, "Yeah, well, the hotel was making money." <laughs> it's a good it answer. Makes it makes it's a good sense. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I agree with you, Elliot. I don't think there's any expansion on the horizon. I think they're they're pretty well maxed out at this point. And uh, so so that's that's really kind of a moot point. But I I do think that the you know the whole Arizona situation is one that bears watching <laughs> mm-hmm. to say the least mm-hmm. and uh it, yeah i think you're right it's it's not it's we're not done with this one yet not over not over exactly listen for age 11:43. you want it to be out by 11:45. so here yeah. we go yeah. i gotta i gotta go on with merrick in 20 minutes and i need to completely reset in my and refocus for that craziness well of course you do because you'll talk about sisyphus and, <laughs> and some kind of obscure philosopher and uh yeah you got to be on your toes with merrick all the time yes yes you do yes, but you listen do. elliot you know what uh we got our little podcast here and when we can get a guy like you to come on it's a big feather in our cap for us. We appreciate it. I appreciate your time. Always do. And I quite frankly, appreciate your friendship as well. Thank well, you. well, the feeling is mutual. And like, I think it's important in the sense that uh, you guys are the future of where a lot of us are going, right? Yeah. Like it, you, it used to be that we had to be hired by the big companies or the big hockey companies to, to, to be able to cover the sport. And now what we're all learning is that the internet has opened it up to everyone and we can, we have different avenues and different ways we can be successful. And it's important that especially young people see that. So Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm happy to help and keep killing it guys. 
Thanks so much for sticking around to the end of this episode. Check out kencampbell.substack.com. You can check us out on Twitter at HockeyNoFilter. Please, if you have a chance to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and of course, check out the Hockey Podcast Network YouTube channel as we will start doing some live stuff there soon. Take care and see you next week.